0: Welcome into Wildcat Country, your daily Kentucky podcast from SEC Country. I'm your host, Curtis Birch, joined by Kyle Tucker. And Kyle, on this one, we're going to discuss some of the guys that have left for the NBA, for transfer, we're recording this late Monday night because I have to travel on Tuesday. This is the Wednesday podcast. So who knows, by the time you're listening to this, maybe a couple other guys have moved, but we're going to discuss the guys that have already gone. Shea Gilgis Alexander announced via uh, SportsCenter that he was gonna go pro. I thought that was a pretty cool setup. Uh that's pretty neat to be on ESPN and announce that decision. I can't remember if that if you've ever if anybody's ever done that before.
1: Not one of the Kentucky guys and, and you know, it just like adds to the this whole and that was kind of their piece leading into his announcement, like the whole notion they're like, how the hell did this guy do this? Like this guy, the seventh highest ranked recruit in Kentucky's class, uh, not, you know, I think he was only ranked a five-star guy by one service. Um, most, pretty much everyone had him in the thirties in the 2017 class nationally. Um, you know, Oh, you got a you finally got a multiple year guy. that's going to spend two or three years, you know, in the backcourt for John Calipari. And nine months later, he's the twenty second or twenty third one and done in the Calipari era, and he is probably going to be their highest draft pick. He's a projected lottery pick, um, and and he's on Sports Center. He's he's become such a significant player that ESPN has him on their six p.m. Sports Center to announce live on national television where what he's going to do. Um, that's pretty wild and good for him because it's a, a kid who earned it, you know. And then Calipari. Tweeted shortly after, well, like forty-five minutes after he he was going pro, he was back in the gym. It was like a picture from his from Calipari's office window, and and Shay was out in the practice gym already getting up some more shots. And that was kind of the story of the season was the work he put in doing the seven a.m. workouts with Joel Justice, the assistant coach. You know, four days a week meeting him over at the gym going through specific drills and talking about things he needed to get better at and what was the game plan for the next opponent and running through stuff that was specific to that, really honing his craft and getting better at the things he was where he was weak. Um, and he, you know, through sheer force of will, and it didn't hurt that he's a 6'6 six, six point guard with a 7-foot wingspan who can get by just about anybody with his kind of crafty uh, drives, um, but that and his sheer force of will turned him into – a lottery pick. And um, you know, Cal Perry I think said, tweeted, um, you know, that his story will be one he tells his players for years to come because of just how rapidly and dramatically he improved himself and his life and his future and his family's lives, um, over the course of just a few months by, by being willing to put in the extra work.
0: Yeah, and I mean finally, you know, it's been two thousand twelve has been six years now. And the breakfast club, the tales of MKG, they needed updating. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is apropos. I think I'm using that word right. That another three letter guy would kind of take that mantle. And as opposed, it, I mean, it was his own breakfast club, I guess, uh, where he yep. was just working out all those mornings to go from, you know, a quote unquote, lowly rated. But I mean, when you're not projected, I think in any mock drafts, Going into a college basketball season, to get up to the lottery is just—it's just crazy.
1: Yep. No, I agree. I think it's—I um, think it's pretty—pretty uh, <laughs> pretty stunning. And yeah, it does. It is a, a refresher of the MKG story. Um, the those hyphen name guys, man. They're—they've—they've uh, they've mostly been really good for Kentucky. Well, all been really good, right? Uh, you had MKG, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, then you had uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, then Carl Anthony Towns, and now uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, all going to be, potentially all be lottery picks. Was there? Have we missed any other hyphenated?
0: Yeah, and we go, I guess we'll just jump to him now, oh, SKJ. <laughs> yes,
1: he's probably not going to be a lottery pick, not huh? anytime soon. Not anytime um, soon,
0: but who knows where what the future could hold, because... He announced today, Monday, as we're recording, that he is going to transfer. And Kentucky quickly released uh, statements that said there are no restrictions. Which, quick tangent here: if you're a school coach or university or whatever, and you don't immediately just go no restrictions on a player, your whoever's in charge of your public relations should just be fired on the spot because yeah, that's no, it's it's, yeah, it's the yeah. r- a it's the right thing to do and B, when you don't do it, you just get roasted, and you're, as you you're should. are going to do it. As you sh- going, exactly. Like, yep.
1: at some point, you're going to do it, either because you did the right thing in the first place, or because you succumb to overwhelming public scrutiny and, and, and ridicule. Um, there's just, yeah, there's no reason to wait. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think that was smart for them to go ahead and put out there. And, uh you know, it'd be really interesting to see what happens. I don't think it's totally stunning. You know, I've been hearing whispers about it. Uh, it was not, uh, I'm told, a direct response to E.J. Montgomery. Uh, 6'10 McDonald's All-American, uh, as Sasha Claya Jones also was. 6'10 McDonald's All-American. It was not a direct response to E.J. Montgomery committing to Kentucky in sort of a surprise early Monday morning. And by Monday afternoon, Clea uh, Jones had announced he was leaving. Um Apparently not like a direct cause cause and effect there that, that had been in the works for over a week. Uh, I think uh, Clay Jones and the coaching staff had talked a couple weeks ago kind of about what was next. And, and, and I think everybody involved understood there was a question about whether he wanted to come back. Um, and so uh, he didn't. I mean, he, you know, he barely played as a freshman. He had a much more of a role as a sophomore, but that was hit or miss. He went through a stretch again where he barely played late in the regular season, then came on strong in the postseason and had some big moments, which I think gave people hope for the coming year. Um, you know, but he just never really could crack the really regular, consistent rotation. Um, was kind of a bit player off the bench, and you know, when you're a six ten, skilled McDonald's All American, top twenty five recruit with NBA dreams. Uh, you probably think you deserve more. And, and I, I'm sure he was as frustrated as some fans were that, that Nick Richards continued to start over him and uh, not necessarily play more minutes because a lot of games Nick Richards started, but Kalea Jones played more off the bench. Um, but I just think he f- probably saw a, a difficult path to major minutes again as a junior. And at that point, your your career starts ticking away from you. Um, you know, and, and while maybe not a direct response, certainly when they get... E.J. Montgomery, it's pretty clear that you're once again going to be battling a really talented NBA-bound player for, for playing time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, A, uh, like Calipari in the statement, and I'm just going off the top of my head, I don't have him in front of me, but he basically said that he wanted Kalea Jones to come back, right? I mean, that's the way gonna yeah, call- co- yeah, so yeah, he wanted continue to coach coaching. him again. Yeah. So to the people, and listen, this is... There's back and forth on this because there's quotes that have that were in a story, I guess, that have come out a little bit, uh, dribbled out the past couple of weeks of like Bam and a bio, Malik Monk saying that Calipari said, you know, you're not on the team next year and ripping up scholarships. And I don't know, Kyle. I just the narrative of quote unquote Calipari pushing players out. I feel like is so simplistic that it just bothers me. Like he didn't want. I'm going to take him as word in his statement that he didn't want Cali Jones to go. Like, why would you right. want as you like? Why would you want a, as you said, a McDonald's All-American that's six eleven has two years of experience in your system? Why would you want that to leave? You wouldn't. But people are just immediately like, yep. See, this is what Calipari does. He uses them, and then when they don't, when they can yeah. when he can't nah, develop them, he kicks them out.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I mean, just look at you know, um, you know, Kevin Knox and and what his dad said about. Perry making a pretty strong plea for him to stay, uh, or at least appeal, pitch. You know, here, here's a good reason to stay. Um, you know, and and when he thinks a guy can benefit from coming back, even a even a potential lottery pick, and, and Knox was that rare case. I think he's willing to do that. Uh, in the case of Bam and some of these other guys, like look, they they were also in different financial situations um you know Kevin Knox's family made it clear they didn't need money right away and and if that's the case and you got a you know a kid who's still 17 uh, or still 18 um you know it makes some sense um there there could be something to gain from that but in many of those guys cases either because they you know another year might expose flaws and open them up to more scrutiny and they their stock falls or because you know, they're living in abject poverty and they need to get that check now and that guaranteed money now and if you know, he's gotten really good feedback from the NBA and and knows that they're likely in the lottery, then it's wise of him to tell them go get paid. You know, like Bam Adebayo changed his whole family's life in a matter of uh months by going and being a lottery pick and now he's thriving in the NBA. He's well, clearly yeah. ready. I
0: mean- yeah, he's probably the most in his rookie season been the most successful of the three guys, you know, that left after their freshman years. I mean, Darren Fox, probably, maybe like statistically, but just from like the way people talk of him, because I listen to some NBA podcasts and his fit in Miami, like it just seems like he's in a perfect spot and is going to be like ten, ten to fifteen years in the NBA. No question, he like he's set. He's it's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just yeah, I agree with you that the the idea that Kyle's just pushing guys out um, for some strength, like also the idea that like he gets off more on like uh, (laughs) saying how many like guys he has in the first round than he does win. Like the guy knows that his whole reputation is about winning. Like that how he is remembered going forward is about winning and he wants to win and like, the guy wanted to go undefeated in 2015 yes. he's he wanted to win all these other national titles that everybody thinks he should have had and and he probably should have had at least one more by now you know he wanted to go to the final four this year with a crappy bunch of teams in front of him but sometimes it doesn't work out that way that doesn't mean that that all he wants to do is make draft picks i mean it just i, I the, the fact that people actually believe a guy like Calipari... Who was so fiercely competitive early in his career? If you've seen that thirty for thirty, that he was just ruthless. Uh, that he doesn't want to win at any cost, and he just wants to like hear guys' names called on draft day is absurd to me. I think he's very yeah. proud of that. I think it does matter to him that, and I think he's genuine about wanting to help families. He knows that it helps him as well. Um, but I don't. I I just one hundred percent don't buy. Like he's just pushing guys out to get more guy draft picks because that's all he wants to brag about. He wants to win, um, but he's also not going to try to convince. I, I mean, look, this goes back to early days at Memphis. DeJuan Wagner, who he he did the same thing. He told him, "You got to go," and the kid wanted to come back. And he's like, "You got to go get paid." This is the first real example that I, I know that's on record of him doing this. And the, the and Wagner, who was a terrific player he developed a medical condition that basically wiped out his NBA career. Yeah. And if he had not left when he left, he would have never He ended up making, I think they said seven or $8 million in the NBA. He might not have ever made a dime if he waited, Yeah, you know? And, and I think Calipari has that on his conscience. Like, okay, I could tell all these guys who are top 10 picks to come back for me. One, it may not work. It probably doesn't work anymore. That's the other thing. I don't, people don't understand. Like, there aren't a bunch of top ten picks that just because their coach asked them to stay, they're going to stay. <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, that's so dumb. I mean, I'm sorry. That is just <laughs> absolutely ignorant. With especially in today's uh, day and age, when you've got all these people in these guys' ears—parents, cousins, uncles, advisors, coaches, trainers—all these people, agents talking to them. If you're a top ten pick, somebody there'll be a lot of other people that are more longer involved in your life and more influential to you than your one-year college coach telling you to go that just because he's begging you to stay and it's obvious that he just wants you to stay so he can win like just because even if Cal begged Carl Anthony Towns to come back do you think he was coming back he was the number one pick in the draft like no I'm sorry that's even if he was begging people most of these guys are leaving anyway um, yeah. but I think he does genuinely have it on his conscience that if he's begging people to come back just for him or just for fans so they can try to win more games and they blow out a knee, like that is on you and you can say he doesn't care cause it's all about cow or whatever. Well, you know, I, I don't know how you could be a human being and not be like, I can't believe I persuaded this guy who had $10 million staring him in the face guaranteed. And he blew his knee out or he, or he, like there was this one question about his game, but he was so young that it was like, well, he's only been in college one year; it'll get better. And he comes back, and it gets worse. And so then his stock draft stock drops, and he loses five million dollars just by pl- not playing as well as he should have. I mean, all of that I think would be on your conscience if you're the guy deciding these things. And I think that Calipari does think about those things, and I think that makes him uh, a good shepherd of these millionaire bodies. Uh, more so than it does uh, the coach who doesn't care about the name on the front of the Jersey, which is, I got a few of those today and it's absurd. Some guy told me 38, he tweeted a picture of the sad 38 and one guys up at the podium with their arms around each other crying. And somehow that was supposed to illustrate to me that uh, he's, you know, Kentucky needs to start recruiting more people uh, who care about the name on the front of the Jersey. They're crying after they went 38 one and they lost. I don't, I don't understand. I think, I, I think a team full of Kentucky-born kentucky, kentucky born players would have definitely fared much better that season than the 38-1 <laughs> Kentucky Wildcats. No,
0: that's not true, Kyle. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I've learned that, like, I don't know, I kind of just stop reading replies and comments, even though I do get some humor out of them. They're so just kind of infuriating to a point that I have had to stop. And also I've I've discovered and I don't Kyle, you don't have an Instagram, do you, Kyle? No, I don't. Okay. So you don't you can't see this phenomenon, but uh, that's where all the, the kids hang out these days since Snapchat updated and no one likes it anymore. At least that's what I think I, I think the way it goes. Anyway, um so I'm on Instagram and I kinda like when they announce stuff and like I look at the stuff and like in the replies like Someone will be like, I think it was, it was was it Gilgis Alexander today or Kevin Knox the other day? And it was like a reply to a post by one of these guys, and it was like, have fun in the G League. And yep. it's like, what a loser you are. And then like, you know, because I'm like, what is this person? Like, is this a robot? Like, maybe this is just right. some Louisville fan being a terrible person. And you click on it, and they have their account private, probably because they're scared that someone will actually call them out. But they want to yep. anonymously like call out a teenager for making a life changing decision and a life altering decision and a, you and, know, a family and hope, uh,
1: and hope allowed that they fail.
0: <laughs> yes. It's just so ridiculous. So I've, I've yeah. tried to stay away from it to a certain extent, but I, I just, yeah. it, it's however you want to fit your narrative, go for it. But I, I just, it's just so, so stupid.
1: Yes. It makes me, it makes me a little insane because it's just like, I can't, I, it's just hard for me to believe people actually think this way. Like, the one tonight was that I replied to, I quote tweeted. So Cal tweeted out, five minutes after announcing he's going pro, Shay Alexander back in the gym, I'm going to miss this one. And this guy writes, replies to Calipari and to Shea, they're both tagged in it. You should have changed his mind then. <laughs> <laughs> Again, first of all, Cal could have begged every one of these guys to stay, and I bet 95% of them are going anyway. Because you're insane if you think they all like anybody loves their college coach enough to pass up millions of dollars. I'm sorry, they don't. Uh, and also, like why should he have convinced a guy who had like no NBA draft prospects nine months ago to not strike while the iron is hot where his probably his draft stock is not gonna be higher than it is right now. Because it's like I said, guys like this, they come back, and then instead of this great story of he's so much better than anybody knew, it's let's find all the things to pick apart in his game. Yep. And maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe he makes all those things better, and he's, a top, he's in top 5, 10 pick. But he's going to be like the 10th or 12th pick in the draft, and he did, uh, nine months ago he didn't know he could go in the draft. Why on earth would anyone try to talk that guy out of going and getting his money? Uh, and especially when he's the guy, of all the guys on the team, who embodies what you say you want from Kentucky player. He did all the extra. He, he tried to lead by example and he was their guy who they could count on when all the games mattered. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, he led them in the key moments in the sec tournament and won them the sec tournament. Uh, and he was dominant through the first weekend of the S the NCAA tournament. Um, he's your best player. He's your hardest worker. He's your best feel good story on the team. And you crap on his moment. I just, I, I, I will never, I will never understand the mentality behind that. You know what?
0: Where it's happening as well, and I, I find it. I don't know. I, I don't read the replies of the Duke guys a little as much, and I, and I, I don't think they have as large of fan base. But you know, the Gary Trent and the Trayvon Duvalls, who are both going to go pro and are not the, you know, they're. They're more of, I guess, probably maybe Hamadou Diallo uh, uh, range. I wonder how like other fan bases are kind of dealing with that now. I, I don't know. I saw where Feinbaum, your boy, uh, tweeted out something today about what does LSU fans think of Ben Simmons. I, I I don't know how I could kind of gauge it, you know, accurately, but I wonder what other like fan bases react to the, to those kind of things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure to some extent they have salty negative reactions but and i would point out that i think by and large i always I, I, sometimes i fail to do this but i do want to point out that i don't think the majority of kentucky's fans are this way uh and you know in shay's goodbye video that he posted he said you are you know BBN, and you are the best fans in the world and thank you for all the support and you saw a lot of replies to him and to kevin knox and many others that were very overwhelmingly positive like thank you you know, wish you would have, like Knox's case, like, I'm really disappointed, I wish you would have stayed, but I totally understand, Uh, and there's more of that than the other, but the other really stands out, because it's so egregiously stupid, um, and and mean, like mean, I I just don't, I don't understand, I would never think of walking up to anyone's 18-year-old child and being like, you've made the stupidest decision of your life, and I hope that you suck at your job, (laughs) (laughs) like... I mean, it's just incredible to me, yep. but anyway, but I don't, but I don't think most Kentucky fans are this way. I don't think most fans, I just think every fan base has this lunatic fringe um, and not even lunatic. Just like this, this f- small faction in every fan base uh, and, and in the world of people. And most of them are active Twitter users um, who were just, it's almost as if their joy is derived from being mad about everything. Yeah, the uh... and mean about everything, and so I don't think that's unique to Kentucky. Uh, I don't think it's the overwhelming majority, but it is sad. I just like, yeah. I, hopefully, some of those people listen to this podcast and just like, please stop. Just think about it. just like all I ask whenever you start to say or tweet or communicate to a teenage athlete
0: or even a 20-year-old
1: athlete, as if they're like sage-hardened old men if they're juniors. Like, a college kid, just think, like, if this was my child, how would I react to a a stranger walking up to them and saying what I'm about to say to them? And if your reaction is, I would punch them in the face, then (laughs) then maybe don't do that to somebody else's kid.
0: I think, I forget who coined the phrase, but uh, Dick Gabriel, who I produced for and co host with uh, locally here weeknights from six to eight on WLAP, <laughs> he said, uh, that's, that's "I think probably. it was I think it was Bill Curry, uh, like called this cr- faction the Fellowship of the Miserable." Now, and yes. I don't and I don't know off off the top of my head like what their Bill Curry's record was, but like. They had they won some games, but despite that, like still people wanted to be angry about things, and it's like. He, some some people just love to be angry, like that's their default, and they're gonna find something wrong in nearly everything.
1: Yep, I think that is I think that is right.
0: So, um, uh, speaking of goodbyes and and leaving, Kyle, as I'm guessing most people know by now, this is the last week of this podcast. So I thought, uh, as we wrap this one up with you, Kyle, I don't know what the plan is for the rest of the week, kind of flying by the seat of my pants, but uh, let you say farewell to people listened, and uh, whatever you else you wanted to say.
1: Yeah. Just thank you guys for listening. I don't know uh, what we are going to do. If we're going to do any sort of sporadic periodic podcasts, I don't know what the sort of the new direction is or if there is any audio direction. Um, But I also would say thank you to Curtis for being awesome at this and being super flexible with me in particular as a new dad, with babies who sometimes don't cooperate with schedules and uh, some nights when I've been traveling and I need to spend a little family time. Curtis, is always you've always been awesome uh, being flexible with me on when we get on the phone and as we sit here, it's 11.40 p.m. The, the night before you're flying out in the morning across the country to Portland. So uh, you've been great. Uh, the podcast has been great. Uh, we, we we built a, a fairly loyal core, um, decent sized core of people who were listening every day, and so uh, hopefully we haven't disappointed you too much. We're still going to have tons of coverage, uh, written in the written form uh, at country dot com slash kentucky. Uh, Joe and I will, um, but thank you to Curtis for being being a great podcast host. And we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing next. Um, you know, I, I may go back to doing some weekly stuff, maybe longer Q and As every now and then, but uh, but I'm gonna miss the uh, the daily the daily pod with uh, with Curtis Birch. It's been it's been real. So thank you, Curtis, and thank you guys for listening to us.
0: Well, thank you, Kyle. It's been fun to talk to you as well. And listen, don't don't feel too bad for me. Most nights I'm just stuck at the radio station with my other job till midnight anyway. So you're not that special,
1: buddy. Sorry. That's right. And your and your voice isn't going anywhere. We're going to all keep uh, tuning into you and lots of other places. And, That's uh, true. And you do great work. And we'll see each other pretty much every day, just like always. So.
0: Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks, Kyle. All right, brother. And thanks to everyone for listening. You've been listening to Wildcat Country. We'll talk to you soon.